the way, uh, I just want to mention this. If you have a little stable uh, manger scene at your house, don't think that Brother Greg was telling you you're, you need to take it down. Uh, that's that's something that's I don't think I think you're okay to have one of those. It's not the end of the world. Uh, so I don't want somebody to go home and be like, oh, we got to get rid of this now. But uh, it's amazing how many times uh, I was by man's funeral or one of the funeral homes up here in DeSoto the other day, and they have their little uh, live animal nativity out there. And I noticed they have the three wise men, and uh, they're there and kind of coming toward the stable. Um, but uh, the wise men didn't come to the stable. They came to Nazareth. They came to the house where Jesus was living at the time. And more than likely, a period of close to two years had passed uh, that uh, before the wise men showed up. And the reason that Herod uh, put into law that babies, male babies two years and younger were to be slain was because of the time period. He asked about the wise men seeing the star for the first time. And uh, let's back up to verse number 23 of chapter 1. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, (coughs) did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. (coughs) And he called his name Jesus. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, He demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, Bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went uh, before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned of God in a dream they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country uh, another way. Uh, I want to share with you the uh, a little a few thoughts uh, about the gifts that were offered. Uh, there were three gifts that are named here. Some people say there were three kings or three wise men that came to uh, uh, to worship him, but the truth is the Bible doesn't tell us how many there were. Uh, we know there had to be at least two because it uses the plural form, okay? But we don't know how many there were. Uh, we do know there were three gifts, and that's usually why a lot of people refer to three kings. And uh, so I don't know that our song, We Three Kings, is a really scriptural song in that aspect. Could be. It could have been three, uh, but we don't know for certain. But we do know what the, what the gifts were, and they were gold 
and frankincense and myrrh. And I want us to look a little bit at some of these gifts and uh, how they really seem to be very fitting, very proper for the Lord Jesus in these in these senses. The first one was the gift of gold. And, and I will say this, that the emphasis of, of Christmas, while it's interesting to study these gifts, should not be placed on the gifts. The emphasis of Christmas is always the, the, the Christ child. It's always the Savior of the world. And the fact that even these wise men who had come from the East, their whole purpose was not to come bring Him gifts. Their whole purpose was to worship Him. To recognize the position that He had in this world. Why He had been born. But we find here that the first gift was the gift of gold. gift of gold in the Bible is always very symbolic of uh, kingship. It's used for royalty. Uh, it's used oftentimes for the purpose of representing deity. And it's interesting that a lot of the pagan practices of the day would make their idols out of gold. And the reason was gold often was referred to deity and kingship. And uh, so it's interesting that um, that these gifts were brought in this manner because it does indicate to us the positions that the Lord Jesus Christ would fulfill while He's here on this earth. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 27 for a moment. Matthew chapter number 27. So the gift of gold um, points to the fact that Jesus is our King. Uh, he's the King of His people. He's King of Israel. He's also king of those that have trusted him as their savior, and one of these days will rule and reign as king in the millennial kingdom. But uh, the reason we know that that he is uh, carries the position of king is the fact that first of all he uh, gave himself the title, or gave himself the position of king, or spoke of it in Matthew chapter twenty-seven and verse number eleven. The Bible says, "And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews?'" And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. Thou sayest. So he's affirming the fact that he is the king of the Jews. Uh, which is a heretical thing for Jews to hear because you weren't allowed to claim to be the son of God. It was considered blasphemy to claim that you were the king of the Jews. Uh, or to be the savior of the Jews. Or to be the Messiah of the Jews. Because it was blasphemy. Unless you really were the king of the Jews. In that case, it wasn't blasphemy. But we know from Isaiah 53, and then of course through the gospel messages and throughout the New Testament, we've seen very clearly how that the nation of Israel rejected him as their king. I want you to notice not only did he proclaim himself as king, but there were some of the people who accepted him who also recognized him as king. Look over in John, the book of John, chapter number 12. John chapter 12. The Gospel of John chapter 12. And we'll read verse number 12 and 13. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet Him, and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And so again, not only does Jesus proclaim Himself as King, some of the people that believed proclaimed Him as King. And some people say, well, yeah, but those are people that believed on him. Those were people that followed him. There's another person that proclaims him king that is a very interesting figure in Scripture. I've pondered it many times uh, about Pilate 
And we see that over in John chapter number 18, if you will. But Pilate proclaimed Jesus as king, if you'll remember. John chapter number 18, and we'll go to verse number 39. I'm sorry, let's start in verse number... um, Let's go to verse number 32. Let's start in verse number 32. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and called Jesus, and said unto him, Art thou king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Sayest thou thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thy own nation and the chief priests have delivered the enemy. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all, but ye have a custom that I would release unto you one of the Passover, uh, one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. And so Pilate referred to him as the king of the Jews. And then in chapter 19, Pilate goes a step further to double down, if you will, and kind of uh, reiterate the fact that he uh, believed Jesus to be the king of the Jews. In John chapter 19, in verse number 19, and Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. This title then read, Many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. They said, We don't want you to call him the king of the Jews. We want you to say that he claimed that he called himself the king of the Jews. Pilate said, I've written what I've written. And I believed him. Pilate was saying, I believe him to be the king of the Jews. Over 60 times in the New Testament, Jesus speaks of the kingdom of heaven and with regards to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven and the things that he would be in dominion over. And so the first gift, this gift of gold, was very fitting to a child that was born to be king, not only the king of Israel the King over all, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The second gift is the gift of frankincense. Frankincense is a, uh, it's an aromatic fragrance, uh, oftentimes used um, to uh, provide a, a sense of worship. Uh, it's made of, of a clear resin from some trees that are in India and Arabia. And it signifies the fact that frankincense is a very, very pure uh, uh, oil and, and ointment. That it is, uh, it represents again the purity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we spoke about the fact that he was a lamb without spot and without blemish in the last service. But it also was used for its healing properties. 
And frankincense, even to this day, is used oftentimes to uh, help with healing some things. And the Bible tells us in uh, Isaiah chapter number 53 uh, that he was uh, wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And the fact that he was going to be the one that would heal the nations. And then oftentimes it was used by the priests as incense of a sweet-smelling savor in the offering of prayers. And the fact that he was going to fulfill this role of our high priest. In fact, it's interesting that Jesus told his disciples, I have prayed for you. Isn't it interesting that the, the Lord prayed for his disciples? It begs the question, does he continue to do that for us? And quite possibly he could. He is our high priest. And again, this frankincense uh, anoints him as such. <coughs> we find this spoken of uh, in the book of Psalm, chapter 141, in verse number 2. And uh, we find it in Luke, chapter 1. Let's go to Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 1, and verse number 10. Take a moment to look at that one. To show that these incense that were offered, and many times it was this ointment of frankincense, uh, that these incense that were offered were offered as a, a thing that was done by praying. And the Bible says in verse 10, the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. So these incense were often uh, used at the same time of praying. Um, the gift of frankincense also pointed to the work that the Lord Jesus did as our priest. In Mark chapter 10, uh, it talks about the fact that He came not to be ministered to, but to minister. Mark chapter number 10 and verse number 45. Let's take a look at that one. Mark chapter 10 and verse number 45. He says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and notice this, and to give His life a ransom for many. And so this frankincense is used to depict His office of priesthood and the fact that He is our high priest. I'm thankful that I don't have to go through a human priest any longer, but I have an intercessor, I have an advocate with the Father that intercedes for me. And he stands in that role even to this day. And then lastly was the gift of myrrh. Myrrh is a spice that was often used in a medicinal way. It also was a very fragrant um, uh, type of anointment. Uh, and was used oftentimes in, in anointing uh, oil when they would anoint a prophet of Israel. Uh, it would also be used oftentimes... Um, in uh, in the time of death or burial. And uh, it's interesting that he's given myrrh at his birth. And uh, there's indication um, when he was crucified on the cross that myrrh was also given uh, at, his, at his burial and even on the cross. Um, and so, uh, again, just depicting the fact that he was going to die, but also the fact that he filled the role of prophet to Israel. Let's take a moment and look in Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter number 13. 
And uh, let's go to verse number 33. Luke chapter 13 and verse number 33. Jesus said this, Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. So he refers to himself here as a prophet. In Matthew, just back a few books, chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, and verse number 57. Matthew chapter 13, and verse number 57. And they were offended in him, but Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And again, referring to himself as a prophet, that he filled the role of a prophet. As a prophet, the Bible tells us that he did several things that prophets did in that day. First of all, he followed the will of the Father. He followed the will of the Father. In John chapter 4, verse number 34. John chapter 4, verse number 34. Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. And so His prophetic work gives indication that He was a prophet because He followed the will of His Father. I'll give you these next references. You can look them up later for sake of time. We'll move through them. But Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 27, if you want to write that down in your little notebooks that you got today, that's fine. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 27 uh, he said that he had to do the work of his father. So not only did he do the will of the father, but the work that he did was his father's work. And again, fulfilling a role of a prophet. And then in John chapter 8, in verse 28, he makes a very interesting statement, and that is this, that he only spoke the words that his father gave him to speak. Which again is an indication of a prophet. A prophet was to take the words of God and to declare them to the people. John chapter 8, verse 28. In John 12 and verse number 49, he also says something along that same line, that he only speaks the things that his Father gives him to speak. And so we find that these three gifts indicate three offices, three roles, that the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled while he was here in his earthly ministry. He came as king, and he's going to come again. And the next time He comes, He's coming as the conquering King, the delivering King, and the judging King. And He will rule and reign, the Bible says, for a thousand years. And then we get to be with Him throughout eternity. So He is certainly the King. And then He certainly is our priest. He's our high priest. In fact, the Bible speaks in Hebrews chapter 4 that He's the priest after the order of Melchizedek. He has no descendants. He's not of the line of the priesthood but He is an everlasting priest. And so He fills the role of priest for us. And then lastly, the myrrh uh, represents the fact that He fulfilled the role as prophet. Not only prophet to Israel, but prophet to us. He spoke the words that His Father gave Him to speak. He did the will of His Father. And He did the work of His Father. So three very appropriate gifts that were given by the wise men that helped to depict and show forth the role that the Lord Jesus... Here's this little baby, this little young person. And they show forth the work that He's going to produce in this world. 
I'm thankful He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm thankful in Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm thankful that He's going to be our King of kings and our Lord of lords. I'm thankful that He's my high priest. I'm thankful when I sin still, I have an advocate with the Father. I have a way that I can go to Him and seek His forgiveness and restore that fellowship once again. And then I'm thankful that He has been my prophet. I don't look to the words of men to know how to rule my life. I look to the words that God has given to us. And He is our prophet. He speaks the words of truth to us so that we know how to live and we know how to best please Him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, three very appropriate gifts for the Son of God who was made flesh and dwelt among us. And I hope at this Christmas season uh, we will give Him thanks and give Him praise not only for being the perfect Lamb of God, but also for being our prophet, our priest, 